Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. All right, boys and girls, we are back. It's V for Velas. Velas is here with us, and you can catch us always on roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News. Rogue News on every single podcasting app known to humanity, whatever you want us to be, plus a bag of chips. And if you need to get a hold of Velas, he's lurking in the Rogue News Discord. If you want to get into the Discord, you have to email the one and only El Cuco himself, CJ. CJ at roguenews.com. CJ at roguenews.com. With that being said, fellas, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm very wet over here <laughs> in our yeah, part I'm, of the I'm state. I'm in the process of building an ark. It's, it's ridiculous the rain that's coming down. It's it's a lot. Uh, it was funny yeah. too because I saw the weather. Uh, what do you call it? Was saying 100% chance of rain, and it's like, well, that that eliminates all doubt. Um, but it also said possible flooding. Uh, and we've already had some rain, so I thought it's not like it's hitting dry earth. So, But after looking out my window, yes, I can understand why they thought we may have flooding. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, I'm still waiting for confirmation from Harley. I don't know if he's going to be on today, so we'll see how it goes. But, Velas, where do you want to take us today, my friend? I know there's a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. Yes, we're we're all over the board. So I did, as always, folks, uh, or try to, I posted on Discord what I was going to cover today. Uh, just a reminder, no program for me on March 10th. That's next week, Friday. No show for Velos on March 10th. Um, and V, just a reminder, no show for Velos on March 10th. Um, no show so, for Velos next week. Got it. Yeah, I'll be back week after. So, uh, first item, Woody Harrelson. Uh, yes, I know many of you were aware of his comments on Saturday Night Live last last Friday, and he has doubled down when confronted by a plethora of very angry wokists demanding that he take back what he said on Saturday Night Live as the audience, audience just kind of sat there listening to crickets because they didn't know what to do. Uh, his comments about uh, Big Pharma basically being another form of cartel. Um, and of course, noting the weak ratings Saturday Night Live has had of late, uh, I doubt that this was done to raise the program's profile, but equally it couldn't have been done without the approval of NBC unless he slipped that in there without them knowing about mm -hmm. it. Uh, a lot of ideas bouncing around out there why he would do it. Um, one idea that was floated that I thought was interesting was, was this was done as a method to uh, assess the public's reaction. Um, other than the the well-trained lapdogs who immediately went into mode uh, attacking Woody for daring to say that. Um, are they looking for apathy out of the public? Are they looking for where is the hostile response? Um, uh, is there going to be a hammering of the stock? Who knows? Um, equally, though, like what I've said about Tucker Carlson, uh, Woodward and Bernstein, of all the president's men, fame, and others, uh, they're all leveraged by intelligence agencies, and you do have to remember Woody Harrelson is no less. Uh, his father was a hitman for the mafia. That's no joke. Uh, he was an FBI informant, and he supposedly was involved in some fashion uh, in the death of JFK. Hmm. Uh, if you're interested in that last part, go look that up. Uh, lithium. Hey, major deposits of lithium have been discovered in Iran. Uh, now the West really needs to overthrow their government like they did or tried <laughs> to do to Bolivia and half of South America. Um, returning to my topic from the February 10th program, uh, North American mound building, uh, a, mi a bit more on the ancient world. Um, as I do live in an area of the country here in the Midwest with many yes. native mounds, uh, 
about, uh, as well as sites that no longer exist, but I have been able to research and find, you know, schematics and so on of, of uh, there was a lot of um, surveying that was uh, performed back in the 1800s uh, of those sites. I do have a thought or two. Um, over the years, I've heard researchers put forward the idea whether the mound builders were remnants of the Zuni uh, people or the Hopi or even the Toltecs or the Mayans. Uh, many researchers have said that, that they don't believe that they were as advanced as their predecessors because they built sites from soil and brick rather than stone as in South America. Uh, I'd also like to throw out that it's worth noting that the Zuni language uh, has no North American root of any kind. There are some people who believe it shares qualities with uh, ancient Near East languages, but that's a whole other discussion. When I was down in Belize, formerly known as British Honduras and Mexico, uh, from folks who gave tours of sites or other researchers I bumped into, uh, I came to understand that the, the Mayans and the Aztecs tended to have a focus on a five-year cycle. Now, there were outliers to that, but they tended to follow a five-year cycle. And every five years or so, based on astronomical events or with the start of the reign of a new leader, key temples and structures were rebuilt or added to. Uh, you'll often hear on archaeology programs or the National Geographic you know, cable TV show, researchers often discussing how they had to, had to dig through several prior layers of a pyramid complex to reach the center uh, or right. of, of any major complex. And that's the reason why. What they're not bringing up uh, is why that is. And as I said, there's a number of reasons for that five-year cycle. Many dealt with astronomy. Uh, my belief is this. I believe that the mound builders of North America intentionally built those sites from soil and clay brick rather than the style used in South America because of the five-year cycle for this reason. It would force the community to constantly keep rebuilding and restoring their complexes as a process of renewal. And we covered on a prior Vela show, I think back in December, uh, the importance for millennia around the world of global ceremonies of renewal and rebirth. By building those structures from soil rather than stone blocks, it forced the people into a rebirth cycle as a community to, to rebuild these structures. Otherwise, the structures would fall apart. And by building them that way, to me, it reflects actually a more advanced way of looking at things rather than more permanent structures. Um, now, obviously, with the spread of disease and the arrival of Europeans, the structures fell into disrepair because there was no one left to sustain them. So just a follow-up archaeology item there. Havana Syndrome, uh, Crazy Days and Nights, saying the story uh, about, about that we don't know yet what caused the Havana Syndrome is a psyop. There's been a number of articles in various media sources the last week saying that the U.S. government has once again released a kind of weak and anemic statement about, yeah, we're still looking into it. We're not quite sure what it was. Crazy, Nights, uh, Crazy Days and Nights has their own perspective on this uh, and that those articles are an intentional psyop to, to divert the public's attention. Um, according to that website, the U.S. Embassy employees in Cuba and other countries who now have permanent damage to their brains or their bodies were harmed by uh, basically weapon systems used by two foreign governments. According to the website, the United States has cut a deal with those governments about those incidents as it is potentially a U.S. weapon the two other governments were able to reverse engineer themselves. So in order to keep the story quiet, uh, an agreement has been reached with whoever those other two, two governments are. We will see. South Africa. Keep an eye on South Africa, folks, not just because of the stories in the news that have been popping up about their power grid is ready to drop at any minute and fears of panic on the street. Uh, as I shared with all of you last week, when I was down in South Florida, a number of the people I know down there were uh, advising me that around December they knew the proverbial crap was about to hit the fan in South Africa, uh, namely for the reasons those types of folks tend to always come into this information, which is that they know how to acquire solid intel and have the wealth to pay the kind of people to get them the information they need. Wealthy people for some time have been moving their money into safe havens uh, to get it out of South Africa. It certainly took a long time for South Africa to reach this point. This isn't about an endorsement by me of the Dutch uh, or white government uh, prior to the removal of apartheid, uh, but it's basically what happened to the country afterward, which was an everything-must-go sale uh, of the country's assets. Now, I have no doubt that De Beers has everything locked tight, and as there's a plethora of available mercenaries and others available, I'm pretty sure De Beers' assets will be safe. But 
the the feeling is is that if the power grid goes down in South Africa, that it could be days or a week or two before things go go total Mad Max down there. Uh, a kudo to Rogue News. Uh, I was chatting with Frank, quite frankly, uh, this week. Uh, by the way, just a reminder, please do pop in on his show if you have a chance, which is 7 p.m. Eastern here in the United States on Twitch or his Quite Frankly TV uh, website, which is Frank's own hardened site so that he doesn't have to deal with getting yanked off the air like what happened on YouTube. Uh, he and I were talking about the Mike Gill topic, and I was asking him if the Zeller brothers had any information or, or further detail about Mike Gill. Uh, they didn't, but I did want to share this. And you've often heard me talking about the Zeller brothers. Uh, they've appeared several times on Frank's show. Uh, they're two former state investigators out of New Jersey. Uh, they tend to research a lot of law enforcement topics, and in particular, child trafficking. Uh, I've, I've provided their website a number of times on the Discord page and here on our show. Um, Frank put me in contact with the Zellers. I'd never had a chance to talk to them before. And I received some very kind sentiment uh, from them about the work we're doing here at Rogue, and I did want to did want to share that. I didn't even know that they were listening to our content, so that was very kind of them. Speaking of the ancient and the modern, uh, Gus Demos said some very powerful stuff this last Wednesday, and I don't know that everybody picked up on the magnitude of what he said. Uh, v, to, to channel from the movie uh, Margin Call, I don't think you know what your boy here has said. This is it. <laughs> um, uh you know, in the ancient world, uh, why often did certain men have many women living with them? Well, because they had the resources, the power, and the wealth to keep them protected and provide for them. Now, this last Wednesday, Gus was saying that we may shortly be witnessing essentially harems popping up again. Uh, not to go to anthropology on all of you, but there's a lot with that statement that we need to unpack. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of the contemporary focus, everybody, on alternative lifestyles and related, uh, this is simple economics, especially in the digital economy of which our feudal overlords are trying to create. Uh, we have the potential in that kind of environment, and I think this is, I don't want to say necessarily an unintended consequence, but not the consequence uh, the World Economic Forum and all the rest of them are thinking about too thoroughly until it gets here. Uh, we have the, the potential to see the ancient world repeat itself with private armies, specially bred security dogs, harems, public orgies, private wars, and all the rest of it. Uh, an article appeared this week about how wealthy folks in Los Angeles are buying up custom-bred guard dogs at $50,000 each for yep. each dog. And you still have to clean up the poop. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, you create neo-feudalism, whether you call it a digital economy or whatever it is. Feudal structures, feudal individuals will behave like feudal individuals have for thousands of years of, of human history. Uh, Ham Solo, 1778. That's an awesome one. What what cast am I in? Uh, that's exactly <laughs> it. Um but yeah, uh, the, the problem with the neo-feudalistic universe, and I'm, the word I'm about to use is probably something these folks are quite comfortable with, uh, it does reintroduce slavery. Uh, yes, it does. Any, and ask anybody coming across the southern border right now. Absolutely, and this is the reason why there's so much um, balkanization among American ethnic groups right now that is occurring, and it's all done by design. You know? Exactly. And, yeah, The West is heading for straight-up techno neo-feudalism that's where the that's the future of the west techno-feudalism yep. and and uh in the words of a relative of mine who lives out in the southwest uh yeah man anytime you go out up into the mountains you'll see these cows walking around with a bright yellow tag in their ear with a number and other detail about the cow uh that's pretty much what they're shooting for <laughs> with the rest of us um on the lighter on the lighter side of the news work opportunity um if you're looking for a career change or a highly profitable job for your kids, there's the following. And yet another reminder about beyond all the dangers with today's uh, higher education system uh, trade schools. Uh, whether those of us on this program support the electrification move or not, there is an opportunity. Per the Wall Street Journal this week, we are woefully short of electricians in the United States and globally. That's everything from electric vehicles to the power grid to charging stations to power regulating equipment and office spaces, and the list goes on. It's big money, folks, if you can get the, uh, the right certifications at a trade school, so just throwing that out there. It is worth thinking about. Last week's program, I was joking or paraphrasing in my comments about the world's elites only care how they can benefit from you 
including uh, what do you call it? Uh, whether or not you know they they can make money by selling your organs. Uh, I spoke too soon. Uh, the state of Massachusetts has a bill being debated in state government right now where prison inmates can reduce their sentences if they volunteer key organs. Uh, I posted that to Discord on Sunday night if you'd like to go so look that wonderful. one up. So giving, so loving. Uh, Janet Yellen, uh, speaking of selling your organs, for those of you that know what was going on in Ukraine before the war oh, started. The, the uh, football J- with clipped hair is what I like to call her. <laughs> what are we, she was what in, are we, she was in Ukraine this week. She's the Lyndon Baines Johnson, okay, of, of, of the Fed. She's been somebody who's been so deep in the system her entire life. It's ridiculous. Well, uh, I was struck by the fact she was in Ukraine because when in any major conflict, at least in my lifetime, <clears throat> have we sent the Secretary of the Treasury into that country? So for reference, we didn't do it in South Vietnam in the 60s or early 70s. Uh, we didn't do it in Iraq back when Saddam Hussein was on our payroll or El Salvador, both of those in the 1980s, uh, Bosnia in the 1990s, or neighboring Caribbean nations when we invaded Grenada. Uh, uh, Grenada. So we got to keep that laundering machine going with all of that money laundering going on in Ukraine. Yep. Brendan O'Connell, who I mention often, said something interesting recently. He said, given the behavior of any of the major players out there and people with a lot of money, they're always looking out for their own self-interest. So one of his little jingles was, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, I'm just saying it was an opportunity for for him to leverage the following. To quote Brendan O'Connell, Donald Trump was not trying to drain the swamp. He was trying to take over the swamp to leverage it for his own uses. Mike Gill again, and follow up to last week's discussion around New Hampshire and fentanyl are two more items to consider. New Hampshire has also undergone significant casino expansions recently. And of course, what makes money laundering a lot easier? Casinos. Recall the items I mentioned on another program about why in middle America we have all these small car dealerships or sales companies in places where they cannot possibly make a profit, yet they do. Why? Because many of them, not all, are laundering methamphetamine money and related drug money. So where else have state casinos recently expanded? Well, that would be Maine, Ohio, Kansas, and Maryland. Why would Ohio's casinos matter in all of this? Well, for one thing, Intel's establishing a multi-million dollar operation in the state. And who runs the Intel Corporation? Yes, exactly. Second item, and I know it's hard to internalize in our one-party system with a two-party illusion, Recall the recent raids on Joe Biden's properties about classified materials. Recall who else also got a visit from the FBI? Yes, Mike Pence. The rumor is they were raided for the same reason they raided Mar-a-Lago. Now, that begs an interesting question. We have to take out the whole Democrat-Republican narrative. There are conflicts even among the main players of the world's elites, and the FBI is for sale and always has been ever since Hoover died. The FBI is trying to find out, regardless of which political or elite affiliation, knows about the situation in New Hampshire. So that's what that was about. Stay tuned. FBI and Civil War Gold. Uh, Some of you saw my posting on Discord about a topic I I bring up periodically, this being the situation in Pennsylvania regarding the Civil War Gold topic. Just a reminder, or for those of you who don't, don't know about this story, during the American War between the states, or Civil War, a shipment of payroll was lost in Pennsylvania during the war. It was about two tons of gold coins, and just the metal value of that alone in today's dollars is $500 million, about a half a billion. The treasure hunters involved have kept the pressure on via a federal court case. Last week, they submitted new claims to the judge about all the discrepancies in what the FBI turned over to the judge. You may recall that the judge became frustrated, if not downright angry, on a number of occasions because it began with the FBI saying initially that anything the judge might request of them is going to take them 25 years to locate. That didn't go over well. So the takeaway is, is the more data the FBI releases, the more it looks like they dug something up and (laughs) ran off with it. Do what I say, not what I mean. Europe, thanks to the recent laws they've passed, cannot purchase Russian refined products anymore. So what's going on behind the scenes? African countries are buying up those Russian products and then transporting them to Europe. Because it's, again, another one of my favorite, uh, what do you call it, conversations about what was the spirit and intent of a rule or a law versus how it's actually being followed. The way those laws were written is it was about direct sales, not final sale of petroleum. 
So whether this is wealth transfer to African nations or not, I can't quite be sure, but it's definitely taking place. Japan. Japan has announced they're doubling their military budget, moving them from the ninth biggest military to the fourth. And of course, the thing about Japan being an island nation you have to keep in mind is, is that when we say going from ninth to fourth, that's not really going to be a whole lot of land force, but it's going to be a heck of a lot of naval forces. I do have to wonder if any U.S. defense firms are going to be able to get in on that. For that matter, whether my often referenced sleeper in the international arms market, South Korea, will as well. Big corporations love big government spending. I would also point out Japan is shifting an aircraft carrier who was built originally to launch helicopters to launch aircraft. The name of that aircraft carrier? The Kaga. Why does that matter? Ah. Because the aircraft carriers used in the attack on... Pearl Harbor in 1941, right. where the Kaga, the Soryu, the Hiryu, the Shokoku, and the Akagi. Akagi By Akagi. the way, they're building a second aircraft carrier whose name is Akagi. Is it just me, or am I getting a real 1930s feeling right now on a lot of levels? Uh... Hunter S. Thompson. Something popped up on Covert Action Magazine recently that caught my attention. This being their story that I posted Sunday night on Discord about the theory that Hunter S. Thompson didn't actually kill himself, but was murdered. Thompson is a complicated mess. His own life, the people he associated with, etc. I've also recently seen a photo of Hunter Thompson in 1992 sitting at a small restaurant in Arkansas with P.J. O'Rourke, a known conservative commentator, two Rolling Stone journalists who obviously are on the other side of the fence, and Bill Clinton. So what's the narrative? Evidently, Hunter Thompson never believed the 9-11 storyline and had been working on his own research for some time. Shortly before his death, he claimed he came into some earth-shattering details and was afraid for his life. I'd point out that Hunter Thompson of as many what he called gonzo journalism, which is where he embedded himself inside the story. So like, you know, he would go out to dirt bike races out out west and just be out there on the course rather than just sitting with the rest of the reporters taking photos. During one of his many uh, gonzo journalism escapades, one of the things that Hunter Thompson did was he hung out with with a Hell's Angel chapter and was drinking and taking drugs with them. (laughs) So to tell me that Hunter Thompson was afraid of something uh, certainly makes whoever that is uh, bigger than the Hell's Angels uh, to make him concerned for his safety. Big energy firms are shifting their investment strategies. Uh, Certainly, this isn't my area of expertise, but it is V's and Algo Cowboy, but it is worth noting. Uh, There are some big trading houses out there in the financial world who predominantly trade in energy. Uh, These would be companies like Vital, uh, Trafigura, and Gunvor. Uh, In a related McKinsey report, commodity trading has boomed the last five years, and why not given all the shortages? These firms and others in this space have heavily increased trades in metals and agriculture rather than petrochemicals to take advantage of the chaos in those markets. Commodity trading pools have also gone from $27 billion in value in 2018 to $52 billion in 2021. What is your final takeaway on this story? These folks are smart enough to know the shift to electric is where they can make a killing in the market in the related raw materials. In polite company, that would be described as energy transition to green technology. And for the rest of us, the plans of the globalists and their minions in the World Economic Forum and related. Goldman Sachs, by the way, said on Monday, February 20th, toward the end of 2023, we will see global widespread commodity shortages. Or you might even say that again. And Remember what funny I... thing. The, 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 you, you touched a, 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 an important point there in terms of commodities. That market... 97% of that market is not even not even remotely controlled by Western forces, Western factions, right? And yet they're having this massive demand to make all these stupid electrical vehicles and all this green bullshit, right? So what happens is, you know, it's supply and demand. It's reality. And, and let's grant it. Klaus Schaub is a moron who lives in a fantasy world. Um, think about this. When we switch from hydrocarbons to solar panels and and windmills you're talking about a major contraction of the electrical and power grid supply a major contraction when you're talking about electric vehicles you are talking about the decimation of travel for the individual because not many people can afford it these things are limited on range they're very finicky and they and and because they're going to be built on the future with the internet of things it's going to be ubiquitous to centralized control this 
if you wanted to create a feudal society, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. You, you hit a, a very valuable point on the head, uh, Velas. Well, and remember, everybody, the the intel uh, intelligence item I shared with all of you uh, last week about the importance coming up of June, uh, specifically in the summer in general. Um, remember, every time in 2021 and 2022, a South American government in a country with raw materials critical in the shift to electric was overthrown, or nearly so, that we've raised here on Rogue. Each time those governments were overthrown, there had already been a cornering of the market on the materials that country was known for before that political overthrow took place. Case in point, Chile is very well known for their copper exports before the Chilean government suddenly went left. And for any of you who remember what happened in Chile in 1973, that's not a minor thing. Uh, Chile's government going left is nigh on impossible when you've got that many ex-Nazis walking around the country. Um, but before Chile went politically left and said, well, we want to save our copper for ourselves or whatever, which was complete BS. Uh, so there had already been moves in the international markets to to gobble up as much of the copper as they could. And as soon as Chile said they weren't going to export as much in the interest of national resources or what have you, the prices went through the ceiling and anybody who, you know, uh, had acquired a ton of that made a killing. So what a way to double your money. Yep. Exactly. Papers, please. Speaking of powerful people with inside information, I post an article on Discord Tuesday night about the facts that are now leaking out of Hollywood relating to inoculation cards. There was evidently quite a racket out there of people selling cards with legitimate inoculation IDs. It would only be if somebody cross-checked the number on your card with your name that they would realize you had the equivalent of a fake driver's license to get into the bar. Now, why does this matter? Well, it's another one of my favorite subjects about elites having access to information uh, better than you can. Uh, nearly all the Hollywood elites who are uh, uh, leveraging these fake inoculation cards are politically left or hard left. They supported mandatory everything when it came to inoculations, and a number of them made very uh, public comments about that. Privately, they had inside information of the risk of sterilization or death as a possible side effect if you got one of these shots. Therefore, they used these fake inoculation cards so that they could get around Hollywood because most businesses in Hollywood would not even let you into the parking lot unless you could show that you had proof of inoculation. For everybody else, enjoy your myocarditis. The Power Grid posted a Zero Hedge article on Monday pointing out from 2021 to 2022, attacks on the U.S. power infrastructure have increased by 71%. Uh, the first point to keep in mind is that 2021 in and of itself was not a minor year either for attacks on infrastructure. So that's a 71% increase on top of an existing increase. Second, these attacks have increased, but we have to ask what exactly? Were generators destroyed by running them at too high an RPM, uh, destroying them entirely? Uh, were substations lost? Uh, transformers who often require 18 months to manufacture? What exactly occurred from these attacks? Uh, remember, we mention this often, prepping, prepping doesn't mean you have to have a backup generator at your house necessarily, uh, but do take an inventory of what you have at home, whether it's uh, batteries or uh, the means to charge your cell phone. I've got some items here at home that are uh, basically small portable batteries that, that I charge off of a wall outlet and then periodically check them to make sure they're charged. But, but you can plug in a couple of cell phones into those uh, and that will actually last you a couple of days. Or whether or not you've got some solar panels around for charging devices, uh, what kind of long-term foods you've got in the house, like soup, uh, maybe some MRE health bars or whatever works for you. Seceding, it's popular again. Uh, the wealthy suburb of Atlanta called Buckhead wishes to leave the city of Atlanta and form their own government. Their reasoning is uh, what you would expect from most metropolitan uh, areas in the United States right now. Uh, rising crime, property damage, and an uh, underfunded and demoralized police uh, force. We've covered on Rogue News, you don't need anything that drastic necessarily, depending on the laws in your state. You can simply pull out of the state or pull out of a metropolitan area and make yourself a township, which is a heck of a lot easier than what Buckhead is doing. So why potentially may they be going this route as the state of Georgia literally had to pass a resolution in the state Senate to make this even legal? Because it creates a massive legal precedent and may usher in a wave of similar areas across the United States following this tactic. We will see. Obviously, for fans of geographic balkanization, as V mentioned a moment ago in the United States, here you go. Memory hole item relating to artificial intelligence. 
with all this talk of the quote-unquote leaps and bounds we're making with artificial intelligence and chat GPT, etc., just a reminder, uh, recall my comments from uh, the memory hole piece I do periodically uh, about Aaron Valenti of a company called Tinker Ventures, which was an application design company, and she previously was the director of product development at Overstock. Some of you might recall that I've raised this before. They found her dead in the back seat of a rental car in Silicon Valley after traveling to California from her native Utah in early October 2019. She was in town attending an IT conference. Before she disappeared on October 7th of 2019, family and friends started receiving unusual phone calls from her where she was speaking in very rapid sentences. Uh, the autopsy, well, of course, natural causes with a possible contribution from a manic episode, but that was as far, far as the medical examiner wanted to go. She was 33 years old and in good health. Comments she made to her parents included things like mind control is really neural control. And the famous one, and I quote, it's all a game. It's a thought experiment. The machines are actually in control. This is a form of the matrix, unquote. Uh, to quote Bill Hicks, the comedian, uh, go back to bed, America, and keep watching cops. <laughs> okay. One of the best lines ever. <laughs> uh, documentaries, do not forget to watch on various streaming services, documentaries from other countries, even though there may be some subtle, uh, subtitles. Uh, many times you'll find foreign researchers can dig into topics the United States media will not cover. Uh, once you turn on the subtitles, you might be interested in what you find. I watched one recently about the development of the modern tank from World War One to today. It was a French documentary. And there was yeah. a portion uh, on the Gulf War in 1991. And I have to say, there was a ton of interesting content in there uh, about the Gulf War in 1991 that you're not going to find in the U.S. media or on other, other types of programs I've seen here in the United States. Academia, uh, one of my many areas of work, folks, includes working with universities over the years. Um, they are as much about revenue, by the way, as the private sector. Don't let them tell you differently. Ironically and amusingly, I have direct knowledge of two large universities in my area who are now the biggest defense contractors in the Midwest. Why? Well, they use college students, undergraduate and graduate, as labor who are free of 401k plans, health coverage, and all the normal, normal overhead. Uh, the two schools I know of are making a half a billion dollars a year as defense contractors. That makes them the biggest defense contractors in, in my state, bigger than Northrop and all the big, big folks. That's Again, that's a half a billion. And a half a billion dollars of money they're receiving with no arguments about scholarships or loan issues for students or other challenges schools face for their attending students. It's straight up contract work. Plus, it's good for the students. They get these letters and things that say XYZ person worked on a project that involved the following, et cetera, et cetera, without getting into the specifics. But it does give you uh, excellent credentials when you leave the university to get a paying job after you graduate. So as I said, many of the big Washington, D.C. defense contractors aren't happy. Their wallets keep getting lighter by literally billions of dollars. So when higher education is always on the hunt for revenue, let us also consider the immense dollars schools made during COVID. A lot of people have forgotten about this. There were many research contracts with federal agencies and not just the CDC or the NAH exploring more effective masks, social studies, and the list goes on. So along those lines, Technocracy News recently ran an article uh, about the fact that a number of universities who conducted research that was used to justify lockdown policies are similar on the public when confronted by angry people uh, have refused to retract the research that they put out or the positions that they supported. Uh, they're never going to admit they did any wrongdoing uh, during uh, COOF any more than they would with the defense contracting work they're doing because we're talking about huge amounts of money and those schools want that money by any means necessary. And so with that, V, that's what I had for today. You have the floor, sir. Yeah, you made some very excellent points here. Um, you know, it, I mean, the concepts that are brought forward, this, now it's pretty interesting that that whole girl who found, who went missing, she went, you know, she went, she was not missing, but she died. And that she said that the machines are in control. We're living in some form of the Matrix. Um, do you know what she was involved in specifically? Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, 
Yeah, Erin Valente of Tinker Ventures. Um, her app design company, I forget whether or not they were involved in kind of anything interesting or unique. Uh, and of course, we have to remember that that she worked for Overstock. Some of you may recall that Overstock's CEO during Donald Trump's administration, and there was that big, even for me, Patrick rather Brown, strange, right? Yeah, rather yeah. strange, <laughs> even for me in Rogue News, uh, strange item that popped up where he resigned from the company and said that he'd been an FBI informant and that he was working with intelligence and law enforcement agencies to try and identify who was funding various manipulations of U.S. corporations and uh, social media and blah, 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 blah. And even Fox News was like kind of nervous about covering that. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was kind of caught up in that. She's director of product development. It's not a minor role over at Overstock. But she was described by a number of people as starting to get a little twitchy before she attended that conference out in 2019. And she had also been involved on the side with some investment and other areas. Uh, yes, Summit Partners at a $20 yeah, billion dollar fund. That exactly, you was, uh... in the private equity space. So she, from people who knew her, and you got to really dig to find this stuff, but from people who knew her, they said she was sitting in on meetings on some of these companies, and it kind of goes to, um, you know, Brendan O'Connell's material that he tends to cover, and, and even uh, Polly St. George with the Amazing Polly, where she does her, her big PowerPoints and stuff. When you look at the unbelievably convoluted storyline, folks, of a lot of these small IT firms, uh, I'm dead serious. I don't mean in every case, but I'm dead serious. You do find yourself coming back to find, uh, I'm, I'm completely straight up when I tell you this, that Ghislaine Maxwell's other two sisters, and I've brought this up before, Ghislaine's two sisters ran IT companies. No, I don't mean they wrote code, but I mean, they, they owned them. They, they ran the private equity right. money to keep, keep them going. But her sisters were involved in developing a number of applications, a number of pieces of software that are used for monitoring and basically uh, surveillance around the world for the FBI and the CIA. And nothing has happened to those contracts. Nothing has happened mm -hmm. to those companies while their sister's sitting in jail. But you have a number of firms like that. And Brendan O'Connell's been covering uh, a number of these former generals and other senior ranking military personnel uh, who, who resigned during the Obama administration, who resigned during uh, uh, Donald Trump's administration, who are out there now running, you know, leveraging their connections and so on. But it's where the hell is your money coming from? Who the, you know, and it's, it's you got to go through five, six layers of these private equity organizations before you even start getting close to where the money's coming from. So, Back to Erin Valenti, you know, she's sitting in on these discussions. She's involved in, in whether they will or won't fund uh, certain firms, and she's getting direct uh, access to the kind of technology they're working on. So the conference that she attended wasn't all that kind of spooky about what was there, but as is often the case, <clears throat> even Here's myself, the kicker. Check this out. Go ahead. In 2011, and this is going to be a dead ringer for you, buddy. This is going to send off all sorts of sirens. In 2011, Aaron Valenti met Harrison Weinstein, a psychologist. Oh, God. And moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. They founded Tinker Ventures, a company specializing in innovation, pod develop. There's there That's her handler. That's her handler. Did she start wearing clothing with butterflies on it? <clears throat> Probably. I'm sure. Me, like uh, Al, Al Roker when somebody was wearing something in the office as <laughs> something in the and audience. And he goes into that. He and he froze up. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so for every Aaron Valenti that's out there, folks, there are many others that either we haven't discovered. Oh, um, you're going to love this. Here's another one. Silent. Here's another one. Uh, you, I think you muted yourself. I did. I had to blow my nose. Oh, I'm sorry. So... She's been involved in uh, in Control Labs, spelled C-T-R-L, right? Control Labs. And they were acquired by Facebook for somewhere between $500 to $1 billion. The company specialized in the development of mind-reading wristbands. This is getting even crazier. And what was distributed in New Palestine, Ohio, before the train wreck? Wristbands. <laughs> Talk about real-time data. 
God. Oh, my God. At launch, the company's founder exactly told the public that his company would realize the dream of connecting our brains to our computers in the near future. Everyone would be able to control a computer with their mind or have the computer control you, you, you idiots. Oh, my God. Well, and you heard about the thing. Uh, it was one of the talks they gave at the World Economic uh, Conference in, in Switzerland uh, a month mm -hmm. or so ago that, that they've got these uh, headsets they want employees to wear that monitor your eye movement and your brain waves to tell whether or not you're actually working or you took a moment to go on the internet and go see what the weather was going to be. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, it killed me. It, it's well beyond feudalism. I mean, it's, it was... It's it slavery. Was, <laughs> it's pure slavery. You know what, Velas? I am no longer going to call it new feudalism. I'm going to call it techno-slavery. That's what it, it is. It is techno-slavery. Go pass go, you know, do not collect $200. I'm not even going to stop at feudalism. Feudalism is, 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 is too nice for where we're headed. <laughs> Well, listening to the World Economic Forum folks talking about the ability, and of course, the fools are still thinking in terms of people sitting in an office, but even still, I mean, uh, I hate to go there, but I mean, you know, some of the DOD stuff, uh, Department of Defense stuff I saw uh, included like the camera uh, on your laptop or your, your uh, monitor at home, uh, monitoring the user as you, as you look at advertisements or similar. Uh, you know, you've seen it on TV. They'll watch your eye movement or whatever. Are you looking at the model or are you looking at the product they're trying to sell? But now in real time, even on a cell phone, especially as you're looking at things on a cell phone, uh, folks, there's no way to say it, uh, especially with the ever-improving quality of the cameras on these cell phones. Uh, as you're looking at the screen, there's no way to be 100% certain that the camera isn't looking at you and monitoring your eye movement uh or even whether or not your skin tone is is flushing or not while you look at certain things so yeah they just want to keep turning that volume up and get as much uh as much response data as they can with your little yellow ear tag in your in your ears you're walking around eating grass yeah this is wild what, what else is going on in the in the world worth worth raising my friend Oh man, it, it it's I'm looking at these signs. I'm looking at uh, I mean I I've been focused on what's been happening on the on the market side of things with the U.S. regulators. I just you know one of my my business partners just had a nice conversation with one of the CEOs of the largest liquidity provider, one of the largest liquidity providers in the game on the on the digital asset side for OTC trading desks, hedge funds, and so forth. And this is a firm that fled. Uh, Canada uh, at like the middle or the tail end of 2021 to get away with all to get away from all the craziness that's been happening there. They, you know, moved to one of the red states here in the United States. I'm not going to mention who, then you know, you guys will probably figure it out. But um, so the CEO was like, "Hey, look, you know, we we you know we moved our entire staff, bought an office building, the whole nine yards, moved everything over to the U.S., and now the next." 18 to 24 months, we're thinking of getting the hell out of the U.S. So uh, this is huge because when you and, and people don't realize, well, that's ah, digital assets, this, that, and the other. Folks, what it is, is it's financial freedom. It, the, the right that you have to transact and to do business privately and securely is what is at stake. Economic freedom is the greatest barometer of how free you truly are. The best. Yes. It dictates free speech. It dictates where you can go. It dictates everything. Economics is the number one. It is the biggest civilizational driver for humanity. In fact, the reason why we have books and we call it, you know, keeping the books. I mean, language and literature was created so we can verbalize and quantify exactly the things that we possess in terms of assets. That is the, the main driver for the printing press. So when you got guys who are on the forefront, the bleeding edge of financial technology saying, they look, it's getting very difficult to do business here, you could laugh it off and say, oh, these are a bunch of crypto boys. It's a multi-billion dollar. These, these guys trade billions of dollars a week. No, it's not just a bunch of crypto boys. It's guys who are former Wall Streeters, guys who are former Chicago CME, guys who are former Toronto Stock Exchange, 
and they're telling you things are starting to clamp down. If it's clamping down for them, it's going to eventually clamp down for us. First, they came for the crypto firms, and it was okay because I don't have a crypto firm. <laughs> then they came for the, right. for the DeFi guys, and it was okay because I wasn't a DeFi guy. Then they came for the hedge funds, and it was okay because I wasn't a hedge fund. Then they came for the retail banks, and it's okay because I like central bank digital currencies. <laughs> and then they came for me, and there was nowhere that I could invest. Okay. <laughs> That's what's happening in the U.S. It's, it's, it's terrifying. And, and to see this occur, and here's Velos. He's bullet every week, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, just full on, you know, he is M249 saw directly into the the official narratives of so many things and folks these are all warning signs i mean i see it vela sees it vela's is like man i i, I might need to, i might i might need to return back to my ancestral home yeah <laughs> you know need so, to bundle up for much colder weather but yeah yeah i think we're we're uh i think that vel i mean you know i can't wait to sit down with you again but i think brother i think the next 18 to 24 months and maybe even sooner is going to be very, very critical. I think we will, we will have, well, two things, folks. The, the first is I think we will have for a number of reasons, which is usually the case when the temperatures warm up anyway, but I think we'll have a better uh, visibility come the June timeframe. Yep. And by that, I mean everywhere from, from late May to early July. The other thing is, I've had a number of people I know uh, personally who will come to me and say, well, well, where's the triggering event or whatever? And I said, you know, loosely, you, you don't want to look up in the sky and see the big space rock uh, entering the Earth's atmosphere because anything like that that might happen out there really big um, would have catastrophic consequences. And I'm talking about like the global economy or whatever. Yeah. And we have to remember that all of these different international organizations – and I know it's been said many times on the on the Discord channel, including this morning, I was having a conversation with with a listener. You know, the conspiracies hierarchy, the story of the Committee of 300, John Coleman. There are so many books like that that are out there. I also was sharing with everybody this morning uh, the book series Killing the Planet and Killing of Uncle Sam by Rodney Howard Brown and Paul mm -hmm. Williams. Um, these types of plans, these types of thinking, the... the um, neo-feudalist uh eugenics thinking of a lot of the world's elites matthew Arad, i tip my hat you know really gets into the depth of the 1800s late 1700s when this kind of intellectual premises were were being explored and they keep trying it whether it's general smedley butler possibly overthrowing the u.s government or them succeeding with what happened in in weimar germany but the net of it is is that these folks can't flip a switch and just boom, we just went digital. They can't no, do that because exactly. it'll it'll blow up the very system they're trying to manage. And this is, as a program manager, this is one of the things that always gets my attention in any large project, even though this one is run by Satan, um, which is what's your exit strategy? I mean, I do this in my line of work all the time. We're about to deploy some really big piece of software across uh, an organization, be it a federal agency or, or a private sector firm, or we're running something in the lab. What, you know, this is part of a project plan is what is the exit strategy or the backout strategy if it didn't take? And we got to keep, you know, I can't tell you the numbers of executives I sat in front of who are sitting there saying, well, what do you mean the, the date on the calendar when this thing goes live might not happen? And it's like, you can't live in a world where you just assume we're flipping a switch and your new accounting system is ready to go or your new management system for your factories is ready to go. We, we have to plan for what do we do if it doesn't, if it doesn't work because you've got payroll, you've got budgets, you've got operations, you've got supply chain, the list goes on. Well, no, everything's counting on that date. And it's like, uh, I had a go live that had to be canceled due to a blizzard. I mean, it happens. Yeah. You know, and I had somebody say to me, well, what, what are we going to have, an earthquake? And I'm like, well, don't joke about that, because I was working with Apple back in 2014, and there was an earthquake the day that we were launching the go-live. It does happen. So we're not going to have the, the luxury, and I use that word loosely, we're not going to have the luxury, folks, that June comes around and suddenly half the world's banks just announce digital currency turn in your paper money. I mean, even when they collected gold under FDR, it took months, if not more than a year, 
yep. to try and implement that. And there were still a number of people who held onto their gold anyway, even though it was technically a felony. Um, what we will see is what we always see. We will see, to quote from the Bible, we will see signs and portents of things. We may see a government or two uh, go into receivership. We may see some other things that are significant. We may even see uh, on my top hit parade of, of Vela's things, uh, not necessarily aliens landing on the White House lawn, although I know we're all holding out for that one. Um, you know, but we, uh, I don't want to go there, but we may see uh, a portion of the United States lose the grid. Uh, we may see Germany. I mean, I don't even know how their power grid is still functioning, given the amount of load that's on it and how many power plants it keeps shutting down. And I know a number of you have been talking on Discord about the uh, the large consortium of, of power operators in the Northeast. But when I say Northeast, uh, we've brought this up on shows before. Uh, it takes part of Canada's power grid, dead serious, uh, Ohio, or at least central Ohio going east, Pennsylvania, some other U.S. states, all supply power into New York State. You you can't yeah. imagine the amount of juice. I mean, V is from there originally. You yep. can't imagine the amount of juice going into New York City mm -hmm. uh, between the banks, the insurance companies. Uh, I think it's 60 or 90 Hudson Street, which is where yep. the one of the world's biggest telecommunications buildings is located. The list goes on. So we will have events. We will have things. We will have more signs that they're trying to move this stuff forward. And we'll see signs of resistance as well as there always is. But that's what we have to look for. It's far more subtle. We don't we don't get the luxury of of they're not gonna they're not gonna throw the frog into hot water and cause the frog to try and leap out. They're just gonna keep slowly turning up the volume. And that's what we gotta keep an eye on. But to V's point, I raised it last week. I know some people in South Florida. Nervous isn't the word I would use. They're too skilled to get nervous, but but they are frustrated by trying to figure out where to put their money right now because they've got a lot of people coming up from South America saying, I want to put this someplace safe. And the Have people, them talk to me, man. Well, <laughs> the people I know are looking at them going, uh, yeah, we will just as soon as we figure out what we're doing with our own money. Yeah, uh, well, have them talk to me, both of them. <laughs> So, anywho, folks, that's that's what we do here at Rogue, and we'll continue to keep keep our eye on these things as 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 we get closer. But you know, and the other thing too is um, we've been we've been talking about this a lot, the Kuf uh, topic and and revelations about the Kuf. Um, there were also the hearings uh, that took place this week that, of course, the mainstream media didn't really cover, but it's all over the alternative space. Um, sometimes a lot of these. I wouldn't say catastrophic, but a lot of these events uh, that that cause great disturbances around the world or, or capture the public's attention are intentionally done to distract from other things. And, and yeah. the argument is solid. I don't know that it will happen, but the argument out there is solid. That, that you mean I like the uh, energy department? <laughs> All of a sudden getting into, into the viral identification department <laughs> right well there's reason there's reasons why they they claim they have certain labs that allowed them to know that that uh you know it originated in china and although just just for everybody's amusement uh it's out on zero hedge this morning that uh at the fed governor's speech uh it had to be canceled today because a hacker got onto the zoom call and oh was that was wonderful <laughs> yes it was great <laughs> It was probably one of the workers for the Fed who accidentally left his screen share on. That's mostly what happened because that's what most of these guys do. They just sit around and beat off all day, man. <laughs> well, that actually, unfortunately, at a major government agency I cannot name, uh, that was actually discovered, which kills me because it's like you're on a federal network. You're in a federal building. You're using yeah. a federal computer, and you're watching yeah. that stuff at work. What the hell is wrong with you? Where... I was made aware of a federal agency where so many employees were watching that stuff during the day that when the enforcement mechanism of that agency, basically internal affairs, said, well, we ought to just terminate everybody we found doing that because that's policy. Several federal leaders said, uh, we can't do that because we wouldn't have an agency because we'll lose so Correct. many people. We have to send have a, a strongly worded email. Yeah. But anywho, yeah, yeah so we, we, we will... have so much talent working for us, fellas. We have so much... So much educated talent, you yes. know, in, in, in these federal enforcement arms. Oh, my God. It reminds me of a gentleman I worked for who was a uh, ran a Mack truck distributorship in the Midwest where he had a, a famous 
saying under glass in a, in a uh, frame uh, in the main building about there's nothing there's nothing more dangerous on this planet than well-educated idiots uh and then the the byline of the little narrative was nothing can replace hard work not that you should work yourself to death but nothing on this planet is more important than hard work and commitment yep. to what you're doing yep. and that's what we're trying to do here uh at, at rogue everybody and there's there's others out there in the alternative space but what i was alluding to earlier is is that I do have to wonder if the revelations about uh, the coof continue, a la Woody Harrelson, um, whether or not they will they will have some sort of event to try and distract the public's attention from any more major disclosures getting into the minds of the populace. Although to Channel V and Gus, I do have to ask the question: um, if Jill Biden moved Joe out of his chair and spoke to the nation live on a on a uh, talk with the nation at nine o'clock on a Wednesday and said flat out, here's the truth of what happened. And uh, you were screwed by the government day one. Like, what is the public going to do? I mean, <laughs> yeah, like my what, comment what, last week about Philadelphia, uh, you're, you're in one of the worst cities in America, no harm, no foul towards the people who live there, but it's like, you're in one of the worst cities in America. who's almost as bad as Denver and Chicago for a loss of life. Uh, but the only thing evidently that can get you on the streets is you lost the Super Bowl. Pathetic, isn't it? Pathetic. Then I think to myself, what's going to happen when they say, "Yeah, we, you know, we knew, you know, Kuf was all jokes." What are they going to do? Nothing right. is going to happen. They're just going to have talking sound bites and an unproductive talk. I'm like, dude, it, 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 this go, this ends one way, fellas. This ends one way, and and and, uh, I, I I see no progress. I really don't, man. It's foolish. It really is foolishness. I, I uh, am violently opposed to the globalist community in all of their forms and in all of their manifestations. However, in my own self-interest, there's part of me that wishes I could address them and say, but at a minimum, folks, you need a backout plan in case this damn thing of yours doesn't work. And they don't care You're... because that's the danger of it. It's This is not yeah. the same globalist from, you know... It's not the good ago. globalists we had after World War II. It's their no. children who don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> That's the problem. These the other ones were measured, right? They're 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 measured. They were calculating. These guys are ideologues. We saw this change happen in the eighties when you had idealistic morons coming into the Rand Corp, which were those morons were known as neocons, and their virulent doctrine has infiltrated every aspect of American. What used to be international thinking or, inter or or foreign policy has now become domestic policy. So it's full spectrum stupidity on every level, man. And this is why I feel like yes. any, anybody who's you know, you, 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 it's like, look, there's a lot of crap happening. You know, my my uh, my business partner, he, him and his uh, family are are fleeing out of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and uh, heading over to to a much safer place. Uh, because of what's happening over there with the vaccine mandates and all this other crap, there's a lot of I mean, there's socialist revolutions that are happening almost every week at this point in Central and South America. It is foolishness for any long term strategy for anyone to either bring money to the U.S., keep money in the U.S. It's foolishness because it, it, it's jumping from the to, it, to, it's jumping from the Lusitania into the Titanic. It doesn't make any yes. sense. And it's it's and, not my area of, of expertise, and I'll always default to you and Algo and others who who know that topic better than I do. But even for me, and based on the conversations I had, quote unquote, down south, it's not even a function, folks, anymore about where to move your money. I'm using air quotes on this side. Um, it's what physical assets are you moving your money into? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You have to be somewhere that's that the number one jurisdiction matters. Okay, and number two, liquidity matters. You need whatever yes. you move it to. You need the jurisdictional protection fungibility of, jurisdiction. of your finances. Fungibility yes. is everything. Fungibility yes. is everything. Nobody and, and 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 that's the key. And there's only really few jurisdictions in the world that can that can handle that. That has the capacity and the banking infrastructure on a on a first world scale that can handle those types of requirements. And for the Americans here in the United States, you know, start thinking about secondary. You have eighteen, maybe twenty four months. You know, and maybe if we're lucky, we might get more. 
start thinking about alternative means or additional means of income and things like um you know the uh, um what's it called like like uh, the the market and all these other uh functioning aspects of the economy in the United States are the only things that could probably you could leverage as an individual to work on your behalf, man. But it, it's unbelievable, fellas. We have a lot of challenges ahead as, as, as a group of people in this country. A lot of hard thinking to do, and a lot of hard decisions need to be made. Yeah, final, final comment. I had somebody come to me recently who I know, and they said, okay, then what? why bother laundering money in Ukraine if they're moving towards a digital economy? And I said, that's an excellent question. I said, here's the answer. I said, now, not to be sarcastic, but I said, this is why I've been keeping as close an eye on how much military equipment was moved into Ukraine as much as dollars, because I've, I've got someone I know who was down in South America recently, and, and their comment was, I'm literally looking at military gear with the Ukrainian Trident on it. It's already down here. And I'm like, okay, was it sold to that government? And of course, they bust out laughing and said, shit, no, it's just sitting here until it gets sold to somebody else. And I said, okay. And so the comment I made to the first person was, as I said, military hardware is a fungible asset, to use the terminology of economics. Fungibility means, can you convert it into something else? And that's why V's comment was, is that money is the easiest thing to convert into something else because, you know, mm-hmm. converting hard assets or something that might might expire, like food, uh, has a shelf life. So my comment I made was, is, is the, the physical funds that are going through Ukraine and being laundered are being used to buy stuff. It's not necessarily yeah. just sitting in banks. They're moved. When I say they, I mean the they we know of, the 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 major globalist funds, and 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 quite frankly, uh, some people in the United States that are out there with power drills, un you know, unhooking everything in this country of of any value they can and moving it someplace yeah. else. But they're moving that money into other assets. They're buying real estate they're buying raw materials they're buying uh mining companies uh i I cannot confirm the following but i had somebody make a comment to me that that a lot of the uh new cargo ships and new oil tankers that are coming out of ports around the world that were built during you know the the follow-on to the effects of of the lockdowns during covid uh all of those are assets the assets may lose some value but you don't lose the asset the money, as we've all learned, the hardware. Look at Weimar Germany, can be suddenly so devalued you need a wheelbarrow full of it. Or if they go with the the, the digital angle, but once they go digital, the the door is closed. So these folks are yeah. trying to move every dime of every currency they can get their paws on into something. And military hardware. The other thing too about military hardware is, in many cases, it's made out of high grade metals. And the yep. engines in the in that equipment can be reused. I did share with especially all especially the the Abrams uh, turbine engines, the 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 metals in there. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing is, I shared with all of you that there was a there was a guy I knew that his official job, and this is like I want to be him when I grow up, if we're still in the world we know. Uh, there was a guy I knew that his official job for the State Department was he lived here in the Midwest. He traveled around the world, and his job was to make sure that anything shipped to a U.S. facility anywhere in the world was what it was supposed to be. So he would go to our embassies in Europe and make sure that the air conditioning equipment that was delivered from the United States was actually what was ordered. Now, that may sound like a stupid government job, that it's just more overhead, but there's actually a very good reason that no one wants to say out loud why that person's job and others like him have to exist. He was in the Gulf during the conflict in the early 2000s, and he saw a number of military vehicles that were delivered. And they were supposed to have V8, you know, eight-cylinder engines in them so that our troops can get out of a problem as fast as we got into it. And instead, he found they were equipped with a smaller uh, six-cylinder engine that doesn't produce as much power. Why did that happen? Because the manufacturer of those MRAPs, mine-resistant anti-personnel trucks, lied. They shipped the equipment with the smaller engines. Why? Because the government paid for a V8, which is more expensive, and then they turned around and sold the actual physical V8 engine to commercial firms who will pay even more. And so this guy's job was to inform that that manufacturer of those military vehicles, uh, the lawyers will show up on your door in 30 days if you don't get this corrected. And so because it happens all the time, and I hate to say that, they sent some peoples into that country, uh, into Iraq, 
they removed the wrong engines and sent in the correct engines. So as a small aside, that example is is like this military equipment that's that's showing up around the world. There's a lot in those tanks and vehicles and other pieces of equipment that have dual-use technologies that you can use. And there's a lot of value and, and money available in those systems. Of course, the, <laughs> the problem is if certain countries' intelligence agencies get, a, get, a, uh, get their paws on it, uh, they're going to develop countermeasures, which, if you really want to be paranoid, is also potentially part of what they're doing. Because it's like, oh, look, you know, insert name of country. They now have the ability to, to uh, counteract uh, our anti-radar or similar uh, systems. We don't know how the hell they got the technology. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But now we've got to spend billions of more dollars on all new military gear because all yep. of our enemies have suddenly gotten better. So, anywho, have a uh, good weekend, everybody. Uh, uh, please tune into Rogue next week with my colleagues, and then I'll see you the the week after on the seventeenth. Absolutely, fellas. Thank you for joining us, and folks, enjoy your weekends. We are over and out.